Thank you, Brenton. Well, I want to pray for Dana and just talk about her for a moment. Dana, you've been here and helped us day one. Remember, 21 years ago, May 1999, that's right. That's right. When you were there and the, the, our young team and we started IHOP and you and Matt got engaged and got married right from day one. And so just give me a thought. 21 years later, you look back, you were 20, so now you're 25 or something. Right. And so <clears throat> when you just look over what's happened in 21 years, just give me a thought. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question, but you guys have been exceptionally faithful. Where, where's Matt at? Matt, just stand up for a minute. Most people know you here just for fun. Stand up. He's been here the whole time, too, and they got all their little young ones there. And they've given leadership to about 10 different areas. And, but the thing I love the most is the way you've sustained your reach for the Lord, the way that you've sown into relationships. You've been faithful and humble to people and to the Lord. And that means a lot. So 21 years later, just give me a thought. I mean, I just feel so much gratitude. Gratitude at the Lord's leadership, his kindness, this family, this spiritual family. I just feel gratitude. I love it. The let Lord's me good. Let me pray for you. I love you. I love your family, your sister Deborah, your brothers, your dad, your mom, just the whole gang. Father, I just thank you for Dana, and I thank you for the word that you've put in her and the word that you've given to her and Matt together as they walk, even in the partnership they have together and with this team here. And I ask you to release a word of encouragement and inspiration and impartation in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, elbow hug or something. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning. I love seeing faces. I love this spiritual family. So, yes, I loved getting that email. Let's talk about the delight of the Lord over his people. And I said, yes, my heart needs that, your heart needs that, Lord Jesus, yes. And we need the Lord to speak to us, we need the Lord to help us, to tenderize us. It's an interesting time, we're living in unprecedented times with the global pandemic and the uncertainty economically, just the, all the things we've been going through in the last weeks and months, the racial conflicts, I don't know about you, I have felt so weak, surprisingly weak. Now, the Lord wasn't surprised. I'm surprised, you know? I think that's part of being disrupted. We get in these moments and circumstances and relationships and all the contributors, and we think maybe ahead of time, we're gonna be good, right? And I think in, in my own heart, and I'm sure you all, many could identify just that sense of, Oh, wow, Lord. Wow, I feel my weakness. I feel the trembling. I feel my gaps. You know, I'm so grateful for the last weeks. I'm so grateful for Isaac and Mike and Stuart and how we've had these conversations. And, you know, I found myself weeping over the cross, weeping over my own gaps in, in the way I, my eyes opening to lacking in love, and then weeping again over this beautiful spiritual family that we get to walk forward together. And I'm, just, I'm so grateful for the way the Lord's helping us, but I agree. I think that right now the Lord has us in an intentional moment that he wants to do what he does, and he wants to speak straight to the heart. It's when we're vulnerable, it's when we feel raw, it's when we feel exposed. How many feel exposed? I feel exposed. You know, and that's not good for the way I'm wired. I mean, Jesus probably laughs when I say things like this. But like, when I feel, when I feel exposed, my natural propensity is to feel that condemnation and just go, you're right. I'm a fraud, you know? I've been found out. And I, I'm down on myself and critical and oh God, who do I think I am anyway? And Mike keeps talking about this passage about if you can't run with the footmen, how will you run with the horses? And I'm going, that's me. I can't even keep up with the footmen, you know? And we feel all of those things. And I just, I'm looking at Jesus right now. We all are. 
And that's the key to this moment. Jesus is looking at each of us right now. And he wants those key conversations that really happen at a depth, at a, at a transformational level when we are weak and vulnerable and we feel we feel that exposure, they happen so much more profoundly. They touch us so much more profoundly. His words, the words of, I delight in you right now. Touch us in a different way. When we're staring straight at our weakness, at our deficiencies, at our lack of love, and maybe we're feeling the surprise of it, maybe we're feeling thrown off by it, maybe we're in the condemnation over it, Maybe we're just trying to, you know, fix it. You know, instead of lingering the conversation, that's some of our propensities. Well, let me just fix this. I mean, I think I do that too. It's like, you know, as, as there was the unfolding crisis after crisis, we're just kind of in that right now. It just seems like it's unrelenting. And I have found myself at times when I feel the disruption saying to the Lord, Hang on a second. Okay, okay, hang on a second. Let me, let me, let me get this together here. I, I don't mean to be so disrupted. I, I, I don't mean to be, to be so um, disrupted by the discomfort, disruptive by fear, by anxiety. Lord, just give me a second. And, and that give me a second is not what the Lord's looking for. You know, I, I picture Jesus on the other side going, are you done? Are you done with that little thing you're doing there? <laughs> you know, are you done with that, that little traffic in your soul where you're just trying to fix it? No, no, no. Come to me. Talk to me. I'm actually disrupting you. I'm not asking you to be not disrupted. I'm asking you to talk to me. I'm asking you to lock eyes with me. I'm asking you to receive from me the very thing you need right now. And that's what always throws me off. And, and you'd think I'd get it by now. And the Lord's so gracious. He's so kind. In fact, when we're surprised by our, by our weakness, Jesus is saying, yeah, I know, you're just seeing that. You know what, That's I've seen it all along. This is the you I live with every day. I'm not surprised at all by your gaps, by your weakness. In fact, I'm, I'm letting you see what I see so that you'll enter into the conversation because guess what? We have a glorious future and I am committed to you and I am jealous over you and I have no intention of leaving you where you are. You know what, those gaps, I've got my eye on them. I'm not thrown off by them. I am going to transform you. I am going to make you radiant. Guess what, I'm going to do Ephesians 5. I'm actually gonna do it. I'm gonna present to myself a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, holy and blameless and radiant. I have every intention of doing that. You are mine. And he's looking at us right now and he's saying, look into my eyes. Do you know what I like to speak and what I always speak? right in the face of weakness and deficiency and lack, I speak, I delight in you. Right here, right now, in your weakness. And I just wanna encourage us as a spiritual family, I just wanna encourage my own heart, we actually have to receive that. We may have the language, it may be familiar, but individually, each one of us, in our own hearts, in our own places of conversation and prayer with Jesus, we have to apply that truth. We have to abide in it. We have to drink of it. We have to put it in front of our arguments and our accusations and our condemnation. And we have to say, no, this is what's true. Not all those things. This is what's true until the accusations lose their power because this is the truth of who we are. We are that beautiful bride, the inheritance that the Father promised the Son, the inheritance, the glorious possession and precious 
people that the son gave his life in death for. He bled holy blood to save us and redeem us and sanctify us and to present us to himself, glorious and radiant. It's who we are. And the Lord wants to remind us of that. It's who we are. And it's not just that we're coming back to these truths. Again, it's that these truths penetrate more than ever when we're raw, when we're exposed. And I think that's part of, part of the Lord's sovereign leadership in this moment is he's saying, no, 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 I want you disrupted because I'm after the conversation that comes in the disruption if you'll have it with me, if you'll receive, if you'll take it into your heart. It's like the Lord spoke through the prophet Hosea about Israel. When he said, therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her, love, she will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. Speak tenderly to her. What kind of God leads like this? He hedges, us, uh, hedges up our way. He cuts off the other lovers. He cuts off the comforts. And then he gets us in that wilderness and says, okay, I want to speak tenderly to you right here. It's the way he leads. And it's what he wants to do in our hearts today. I believe he's he set us up for this moment to speak right to the core of our hearts. Again, there's a part we play, we have to receive it. We have to wrestle with it until we believe it. We have to get out of the idea that we get it. Be willing to admit, I don't know if I really believe you delight in me in the deepest interior of my heart because in times of crisis, that's not the first thing on my mind. And so we have to wrestle with it till we believe it. We've been in a time of, in the last six weeks or so, it's, it's sober, and this isn't to get us out of the sobriety. But I think there's two things the Lord wants from us in this hour. He wants the sobriety, and he wants the sweetness. We need the sobriety, we need the lament. We need to groan over our lack. We need to feel it. We need to hear one another. We need to be able to look at each other in the eyes and confess, I didn't see it, I didn't know. And then we need to weep and groan and lament. But the Lord says, that's not all I want you to do. I want you to carry the, the lament. I also want you to enter into the sweetness. In Matthew 11, he called it the dance and the dirge, the wedding song, the flute that Jesus played, and the dirge that John the Baptist played. He says, you have to carry that paradox. I want you to do both. But I believe the Lord wants today to wash us with the truth of the wedding song, the truth of the bridegroom who loved us, the truth of who we are as the cherished bride and his delight over us. It's critical. I think sometimes we think of the delight of the Lord as optional. Um, maybe we think of it as elementary, something that we receive at first, but then we kind of grow up. And, you know, we don't need to apply it with that level of urgency. I don't know about you, but I have found as the years have progressed and the decades, I find it harder, much harder to sing the truths with all the confidence. I am dark yet lovely, Song of Solomon 1.5. Even in my weakness, he enjoys me. Why? Because of sin, because of dullness because I, I'm walking through life and things are breaking all around me and circumstances aren't playing out as I'd had imagined. And not only that, I'm a mess. 
And I didn't plan on that, you know? I see my own sin, I see my own weakness. And, and it was one thing to make those bold confessions as the 20 year old Mike talked about, you know? I believe it, God, I buy it. But as the years progress, I think it gets harder. This is why Jesus spoke to the church of Ephesus. I have this against you, you left your first love. And we're going, well, what do you expect? Did you see how my life played out? And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. That's not the issue. I, I have a grace to keep first love all the way through. I have a grace for every decade of life to have fervent first love, childlike, receiving, wholehearted, believing, faith that's unhindered. And we go, no, Jesus, you can't, you can't be serious. He goes, I'm very serious. In fact, that's the kind of bride I'm returning to. I am not returning to a dull Laodicean, you know, dead in, in their sins and their feeling the compromise and they're distracted and all the other comforts and all the other lovers. I have no intention of a returning to a bride like that. So guess what? I'm returning to a bride walking out first love. These truths are not something we're to leave behind. In fact, I would argue we are to wrestle with them all the way through, probably at a, at a deeper and more intentional way than even at first, because it takes more wrestling. It takes wrestling with the accusations. It takes wrestling with the circumstances that played out like we didn't plan until we come up saying, I still believe you love me. You're tender with me in my weakness. I don't know why. I don't deserve it. I never did. And the Lord wants us to live in that tenderness. In fact, I believe that's why as his return draws near, he is going to so reveal himself as the bridegroom because nothing gets to the bottom of our affections and messes us up and opens up that tenderness like the bridegroom. I mean, you can, you can be distant from some of the identities of Jesus, because he puts forth many identities in the word of God. But when that bridegroom revelation gets in your face, when you know he's the greater Hosea and you are Gomer, and that's your life story, and he saved you, even though you were the harlot, and he loves you, and he bought you back when you ran away again and again, and you chased those other lovers, and he's still coming after you, it tenderizes. It tenderizes. In fact, it actually addresses some of the gaps we are feeling in the current moment. When I'm staring at my gap in my lack of love for others, Jesus goes, come back. Remember. Remember how I loved you. Remember how you didn't deserve it. The one who's forgiven much loves much. Come back. Remember, you're Gomer in this story, and I'm the greater Hosea and I shed holy blood for you because I love you and because I delight in you. It's not just I love you, because that doesn't mess with the heart in the same way. It's I delight in you. I enjoy you, even in your weakness, even when you're maturing. I know I'm bringing you to Revelation 19. I know I'm bringing you to Revelation 22. I know where the story is going. I will do Ephesians 5, but guess what? When I look at you today, I see you're the one the Father promised me right here, right now. I see the sincerity in your heart that was born in you at the new birth by the Spirit. You have a sincere desire for me and it's beautiful to me. I see your identity as that glorious church made up of all these individuals and made up of every ethnicity and I see the beauty of who you are today. So right now when all you feel is your weakness and your lack and you're this and you're that. Do you know how I see you? So we gotta get into that 
perspective of Jesus. He delights in us. This is a core foundation to this spiritual family's DNA, this truth of even in my weakness, he enjoys me. He enjoys me. I remember when that truth messed me up for life, really. I was, I was sitting like right, right back there, probably towards the back in that section, somewhere in there. I'm listening to Song of Solomon taught by Mike, 20 sessions, Song of Solomon. And I'm going, is this biblical? Really? I mean, he, this man thinks it is, but is this biblical? He's teaching the Song of Solomon, the ravished heart of God over his people. The passion, the emotion, the tenderness, the delight. And I'm thinking, if, if that's biblical, this is going to mess me up. This changes everything. I, I, I don't know if it's biblical. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure that part out. But if it is, this is going to mess me up. And over time, it messed me up. It messed me up. It messed with me. God, I'm... I'm driving in my car right now and all I can think about is what you probably want me to be doing and how you're probably disappointed with me and how I'm probably not hitting the mark. But wait a second, wait, wait, that passage, I'm ravished over you with one look of your eye, with one link of your necklace, every choice, every decision you make, it moves me. And I'm going, wait a second, wait, hold it, hold on. There's a possibility that right now, if I lift my voice to you, you're not only not disappointed in me, you're ravished by me. You're moved by me. I can't even, is that true? It started invading all my in-between moments, not just my high moments, but also my low moments, all the moments. There's somebody on the other side of this thing and he's moved. He's moved, he's moved by me, even right now, even in my weakness. Is that possible? It messed me up, it messed me up. Another thing that messed me up is Mike would get to a lot of those, the end of the, those sessions. And, and I'm hearing truths that are brand new. They're hitting my ears as brand new, you know, like, whoa, whoa, I've never even thought about that before. But at the end of those sessions, it'd be ministry time, and he'd just be up here weeping, weeping. He, he went somewhere else in his heart with Jesus. He was, he was somewhere else. His part was done. He did the message. Now he's just with Jesus. He, he didn't want to be on the platform in that moment, but he was. And he's weeping. And I'm going, he believes it. He's, he's been wrecked by this. Oh, man, this thing, I think this is real. I tell you, the most unshakable people alive are those that have been most wrecked by the love of Jesus. To know the delight of Jesus is what makes us unshakable. And when we're shaking, that's the moment. That's the moment that we go, okay, right here, right now, God. God, I'm, I'm more of a mess than I thought. God, there's a pandemic and, and you know, it's the horseman point. I know I shouldn't feel anything, but God, then there's this, I'm isolated. I can't be with people. God, there's the, you know, the things are looking kind of bad and I don't know, I, I'm feeling rather shaken. And Jesus says, right, right. Now, that's because I'm really jealous over you, but you gotta talk to me and receive. I delight in you. I delight in you. And that truth gets into the core in those times like it doesn't get in in other times. In 1995, the Lord spoke to Mike through a dream. He was in the dream. Mike was standing in the downtown convention center and he heard a loud, thunderous voice. It was the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, declare to them, Hepzibah. For I delight in them. I will change their emotional chemistry when they understand and receive this truth. Hepzibah. I delight in them. Declare it to them. I will change them when they get this. 
when they understand it, when they receive it, when they wrestle with it, when they actually take it in and believe it, I'm gonna change them forever. The Lord re-highlighted that at the one thing, 2018. If you remember, if you, if you were there, if you've seen it, the Lord re-highlighted that specific dream and we were, we were there in the auditorium and I don't know if you saw it or were there, but Francis Chan, he, he brings it back around at the end of the session and he goes, we, we so quickly move on from this. And he said, I don't understand this, I need this. I need to know Hepzibah. I need to know the Lord delights in me. I gotta stay there. I gotta ponder that. I gotta let it change me. The Lord wants us to stay there and let it change us. That phrase, Hepzibah, is from Isaiah 62. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate, but you shall be called Hepzibah, for the Lord delights in you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, joy, tenderness, not a doubt on his face. We so ascribe disappointment to the Lord even in, maybe especially in times of weakness. You know, it's like I described my own heart going, just give me a second, Lord, let me, let me get it together here. And the Lord's saying, are you, are you finished? Look at my face. Look at my countenance. Look at me. You expect something you're not going to find. Find joy. Find delight. You're surprised over your weakness. I'm not, find that in my face. He's looking at us going, uh-huh, right, right, that's you. Mm -hmm. I saved you. I'm, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm gonna wash you. This is gonna get better and better and better until that glorious day, the day of the gladness of my heart, the marriage supper of the lamb, I'm gonna do that. So today, receive it. Look at my face, look at my countenance. He wants to transform the deepest places in us as we do this. He wants to cause us to be confident in his enjoyment over us. He wants it to wreck us. We underestimate the power of a tender heart. We underestimate it. In fact, I think, probably we think, tenderness is a limp. I need to be strong. And the Lord says, no, 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 no you need to be tender. There's no way you're gonna face what you are gonna face and be victorious unless you're tender. Victorious in love is tenderness to the end. And I think it's increasing tenderness. It's abounding love, still more and more. It's increasing in love. It's a love that we thought was impossible it's the questions that we've cried out over the years. How tender can a heart be, God? I wanna be that tender. I wanna be that wrecked. And the Lord says, you have no idea. You have no idea when my spirit is working and moving and singing over you. You have no idea the level of tenderness, it's going to stabilize you. It's going to cause you to face all the adversaries with victorious love. He wants us to be tender. And the way that we're tender is we come back to that face, we come back to that voice and those words, and he speaks comfort to our heart. He speaks his delight over us. I remember when it, when I started to believe and when it connected to me that my choices mattered, that my words mattered, that even my thoughts mattered, and they mattered because they moved his heart, that he took them to heart because they were precious to him, because he'd assigned eternal worth to them. Again, I tell you, when that connects, 
It does exactly what the Lord spoke in that dream to Mike. It changes our emotional chemistry. It changes our interior when it connects, when we believe it. And I encourage you, search it out in the word. It's not just Song of Solomon, it's everywhere. Song of Solomon is the love song, the poetry. Our hearts move by song and poetry, but you'll find it all through the New Testament. My beloved, he says, we are his beloved. We are precious to him and we move his heart. So in trouble, when our love for God is tested, the exchange of love that we share with him is so central to our victory. Whether it's the test of rejection, mistreatment, betrayal in our relationships, the pressures of trouble, or the heartache when we, feel, we don't feel his nearness, our glory is to respond in love and worship, loving trust and worship. The shock of our lives is going to be what Jesus felt over our lives in the moments we thought were absolutely insignificant. Or maybe it's the moments we thought, God, all I feel is weak. And he goes, you don't evaluate like I evaluate. You're not even close. You're so far off the map. <laughs> that's how, I mean, that's how the Lord comes to me. It's just like every time I run in to a true evaluation of Jesus based on his loving kindness and mercy, I go, oh, right. I don't even know you, <laughs> you know? I don't even know you, Jesus. And I do, but I don't. I don't even know such mercy, such kindness. I don't, Jesus, you're so kind. How could it be that the most powerful person alive, the creator of all things, the sovereign of all, is the kindest one? How is that possible? How could it be that he's the most merciful? How could it be that he's the most tender? He has more capacity for tenderness than you and I could ever dream of because there isn't a sin that has caused him to distance his heart and put a wall up and guard as we so often do. We self-protect all day long. We dull our hearts with constant self-protecting, guarding. I'm gonna just take a step back from you. Clearly, you are dangerous, <laughs> you know? And we put that emotional wall up and it causes dullness over time. Jesus is the most, his capacity is greater than any man alive. His capacity for tenderness, his capacity for loving kindness. We look into those eyes and we meet someone altogether different, altogether lovely. And that's where we find our healing. I wanna talk about a hindrance to Jesus' delight. Now, there's many hindrances to knowing this delight. Maybe I've hit on a few. It's condemnation, it's fear, it's accusation. It's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. It's like this little girl said, it's a battle. We gotta fight the good fight with truth. But the adversary he comes against our love for Jesus. It could look different for each path and heart. Offenses come with harsh, harsh circumstances. They blindside us. We don't understand what, the way he leads, what he allows, what he doesn't allow. But so often what happens in those offenses in all their varying shades is in the wake of them that Jesus described the love of many growing cold but so often what happens when we're in those pressures and offenses and all the different varying circumstances that hit us, the problem isn't the circumstances, but the twisting root system of unbelief beneath the circumstance. The problem is what we do with our hearts and Jesus underneath the circumstance. I mean, the word of God teaches us that all the difficulties and troubles can rail against the soul and you can have a Paul come up with joy declaring no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You can have all the losses add up and multiply and you can have a John the Baptist proclaiming, let it decrease. I've heard the voice of the bridegroom. My joy's made full, right? 
That's what the word of God proclaims to our hearts when we come up with the argument saying, no, God, you, you didn't see my circumstances. And Jesus says, go, go look at Paul again. Go look at John. I've got some grace available here. This is not about circumstances. This is about what you're doing with me beneath the circumstances. And so one of the hindrances that happens in our hearts is this, this peril of unbelief that can happen. It can happen over time. It can happen subtly. We don't even see it creep in. I remember a few years ago, I found myself in this place. I felt like my heart couldn't move like it used to. I felt the Revelation 2 letter to Ephesus. I felt the Jesus, the first love thing. I don't know. You say first love and all of these qualities come to mind and it's, it's childlike and it's, it's believing and it's wholehearted receiving and it's passion. And, and I'm saying, Jesus, I, something went wrong here. You know, I'm trying to, what's wrong with my heart? It's not working like it used to work. And I don't know what happened. God, you know I've been jealous to keep it. You know I have. You know, the relational tension would come in and I'd go have that conversation again. You know, it's like, you know, this isn't so much about you and me. It's the fact that if I don't love you well right now and if I don't deal with this with you right now, my heart's gonna shut down and then I can't love God with all my heart and that's my dream. So forgive me, but I'm knocking on your door again with Matthew 18 because we gotta have this conversation because I really have got to love God with all my heart. And I did all that, yeah. And I did all of it. And then I was still, something went wrong. There's something broken, Jesus. I don't even know what it is. I don't know what's wrong, God. But my dream, I wanted to love you with everything. To the end, something happened. And I sat, I did what we gotta do. I sat down. I sat down in front of him. And I said, well, you're the counselor. You're the healer. I don't know.
Let it mess you up. Let it make you tender again. God, wash us like you said you would do in Ephesians 5. Wash us with the water of the word. Renew us. God, we take our place at that table, that banqueting table. We take our place and we feast. We partake and we drink. We say, yes, Jesus, if this is who you are, I'm not gonna argue with you anymore. If this is what you want from my heart, I am going to offer it right now. Not later, not when I get it all together, not when I'm mature. Right now, today, I am your inheritance. I am the one you love. I am your beloved. I receive it, I believe it. Holy Spirit, would you mark us? Mark us as individuals, mark us as a people. Hepzibah, my delight is in you. I am the seal upon your heart. I will cause your heart to burn with a love that many waters cannot quench. The floods of persecution, the floods of trouble, war, whatever you face, it's a love that transcends circumstance. It's a joy that transcends circumstance. I will cause your heart to be alive, to be tender in my love unto the end. We say, yes, Lord, do it, God. Mark us, God. Be the seal upon our hearts. Jealous over me. 